And today I want to preach a message entitled Freedom for All. Freedom for All. High on top of the United States Capitol Dome in Washington stands the statue of the stately Freedom Lady, almost 20 feet high. Face is framed by crest of stars, shield of stars and stripes is in her left hand. The sculptured Freedom Lady was brought from Rome during a fierce storm, and the captain ordered cargo to be thrown overboard. The sailors wanted, so desperately fearing for their lives, wanted to include the heavy statue that was part of their cargo. The captain refused, shouting above the wind, No, never will flounder before we throw freedom away. That has a great sense of national pride, at least for this country and for many free countries as well, that we will waste away before we ever throw away our freedom. Today, we are here gathering, celebrating freedom. But what is it that we're celebrating? I know today is July 4th. Today is the Independence Day. And uh, we, we are so grateful for the freedom that we have in this country. And yet, the greatest freedom that we have did not come to us as a result of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. It didn't come as a result of the end of the Revolutionary War. And then again, when... The British tried to make an onslaught against us in the War of 1812. It didn't come as a result of those or any other of the world wars that we have been a part of as a nation and that as a nation we have felt our freedom was at stake. It did not come as a result of that. In fact, freedom is not even man's idea. We look back on this particular day and there is a certain sense of national pride and we look back and we say that was a great day when, you know, those, those founding fathers got together and they signed the Declaration of Independence that we were independent, an independent state, an independent nation from the British throne. We were no longer going to be subject to the British throne and, and there was, in fact, a great sense or is, in fact, a great sense of national pride and it's almost as if it has become uh, associated with the fact that that's when freedom was invented. <laughs> but can I just encourage you today, freedom has always been God's idea. Not just national freedom. God is certainly concerned about that. He is certainly concerned that human beings have human rights in their nations of which they come from and of which they live. But nonetheless, beyond all of that, the freedom that you and I have today is freedom that was God's idea. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to see that this was, in fact, God's idea. Genesis chapter 2. And I want you to see, and then we're going to turn over to a number of other scriptures today, so just kind of get your, your fingers a little bit nimble. And those of you who are feeling now the effects of what it was that you ate about uh, 45 minutes ago, just hang with me, will you? Uh, just, just stay with me. You know, kind of do this. If you've got to do some of this, I understand. I won't think anything funny is going on. You've got to stretch a little bit. That's all right. But just stay with me for a moment. Freedom was God's idea. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. 
The Bible says this, and the Lord commanded the man, that is Adam, listen to this, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. The next verse obviously gives the one exception to this statement. But I want you to see from the very get-go, God created man to be free. And he gave him freedom, but freedom with a boundary. We, we know about free. We think, well, the United States is free. We are absolutely free, but we still have boundaries. If you come from a free nation, your nation still has boundaries, even though it is free. And those boundaries are called laws. God instituted one thing there in the garden, and most people focus on the one. They focus on what they can't do rather than what they can do and the blessings that they have. But you need to see that this was God's idea from the very beginning. As wonderful and as much as I appreciate what the founding fathers did on July 4th, 1776, I am so grateful that in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16, God says, you are free. And he created man to be free. Man was given a free will. Often you hear people say, well, you know, why did God create man that would, you know, then just turn around and go against him? That doesn't seem, you know, too smart. And yet if God would create something other than a free will kind of person, a person with a free will, then all he would have is a bunch of robots. In the end, God wanted you to be free. God wants mankind to be free. Turn over to Exodus chapter 6. And we're going to see here now how God looks at his people. He has chosen a people. He has called a people out. And this particular group of people are now in slavery. But I want you to see what God's plan was for a group of people who were enslaved. All of this simply to say freedom was and always has been God's idea. The Bible says this, therefore, if uh, Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. Notice that. I will free you from being slaves to them, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. God right there from the very beginning, from the get-go, not only in the Garden of Eden, but also now later on when his people are oppressed and they are under the strong hand of slavery in Egypt, God said, I want you to be free. I want you to be free. Listen, I appreciate the history of our country. And there is none more rich than when you get around the time of the Civil War and you begin to see the fighting that goes on over the issue of slavery in our own country. And that God raised up a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln who would sign that Emancipation Proclamation allowing slaves to go free and the fight and the battle ensued and thank God the North won. All I have to say is thank God the North won. And when the end came, there were so many who said they woke up one day, they were slaves. They woke up the next morning and they were free. Brothers and sisters, the freedom that we have in Christ is like that. It was God's idea. One day you walked up 
an aisle and maybe came to an altar and gave your heart to Jesus Christ. You woke up that morning a sinner, but you went home free. You came to the altar bound, but you left that place free from the the chains that bound you. I will free you, he says. Listen to this. You don't need to turn there, but you can note this. Revelation 22 and verse 17. Listen to what the Bible says. The, The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Listen, not only does God have freedom, but what he gives to us is free. Salvation is free. This wonderful gift of eternal life, brothers and sisters, it is a free gift for you and I to be able to receive. Now, what do we have freedom from? You see, you can't really truly understand the power of freedom until you know that you have to be free from something. You can't really appreciate the power of freedom until you have been under subjection of something. We have, according to Scripture, freedom from sin and death. Turn in back, actually you're in Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to read that verse one more time. Because the Bible says this, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out of, from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. We'll stop right there. And I want to just point out this, that it, pretty much every Old Testament scholar believes that the, the slavery in Egypt that the, the Israelites experienced is also a type of the slavery that we have experienced to sin. That slavery to sin is the most grotesque form of slavery. And in all of that, the Bible lets us know, and God's proclamation was then, I will free you. Turn over to Romans, now chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Listen to what Paul writes. The Bible says this, Romans chapter 6 and verse 22. Romans chapter 6 and verse 22. But now, that is after Christ. Anytime you read a but now in any of Paul's epistles, those are words to just think about for a minute. But now, it's a contrast. It is a, it is a, a picture of what things used to be and what they are now. But now that you have been set free from sin... And have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is what? Eternal life. So now you have been, he says, set free from sin. Not only is it just sin in general, but it is the power of sin. That is... You don't have to give in to the temptations of the flesh anymore. You don't have to sin. So often we come, you know, temptation comes at us and we think, well, I can't help myself. No, absolutely. You may not be able to help yourself, but the power of the Holy Spirit can help you not to give in to sin. Why? Because Jesus Christ broke the chains of sin and the power of sin upon your life. When he was nailed to the cross, the power of sin over you was broken. Not only do you not have to give in, but also the guilt of sin is wiped away. This is the wonderful thing about it. There might be people who show up to you and say, you know, I remember what you used to be. 
And yet, the wonderful power of the freedom that we have from sin is, that's how we used to be, but God doesn't remember that anymore. He sees us as something vastly different. Instead of looking at us like a, like a, a bunch of fearful people, like, like Gideon was, he, he looks at us and says, you're a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. He sees you for what he has caused you to become. He frees you from sin. We have freedom from sin, but also we have freedom from death. Listen, to, uh, turn over to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter 2 and verse 15. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says this, And free those who all their lives will, were held in slavery... By their fear of death. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. You have been set free from the power of sin, but also the power of death has been broken. Sin and death entered the world when Adam sinned, and, and it, it came in at that point not only physical death, but spiritual death. But the Bible lets us know that there are those who are fearful of it. You don't have to be afraid because he has broken that power. There is a resurrection, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15. There is a resurrection of the dead, and you don't have to be afraid. Eternal life means you are going to live forever. You are going to be with Christ forever forever. You don't have to be afraid of what could come. Yes, we grieve in this life. We feel loss in this life. And yet we also recognize that when that day comes, we look forward to and have a wonderful hope that we have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So sin and death we have freedom from that. We don't have to be afraid. You don't have to fear it because there is a wonderful resurrection from the dead. And that is why it's so important for us to understand today, July 4th for Americans might be about our Independence Day, but for the Christian, it's about the day that we won our independence from sin. We won our independence from the power of death. We won our independence from that which held us in captive. Even though we walk about in a free society, there are people who are bound left and right all around us. They are bound by the sin that they're involved in, and yet the wonderful power of the cross is He set us free. He set us free. So, why? Why did he set us free? Why do we have freedom from sin and death? And it is simple. We have the freedom to serve. The freedom to serve. You see, God's plan is not for us to just kind of sit idly by in a church service Sunday after Sunday, week after week, come together and join together and say, Whew, I feel good. I'm going to go home and I just mind my own business throughout the week. No, now we have the opportunity and we are free to serve. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Anytime you begin to read the Bible, you realize that whenever God frees somebody, he always frees them for a purpose. There is always a plan in mind. God had a plan for the people of Israel. The plan was that they were be to be a light to the world. 
God has a plan for you as a Christian. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine. You are free today, and you're free to serve. Listen to what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Paul writes, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Here is God's intent once again. You were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So today you are absolutely free within the body of Christ to serve one another. God gives you that right. He gives you the privilege, the opportunity to turn to a neighbor and say, how can I serve you? How can I minister to you? How can I help you today? How can I pray for you today? How can I encourage you in the Lord? God gives us that freedom. We are free to serve. And the amazing thing is, is that within the body of Christ, oftentimes, we, though we are free to serve, we don't serve enough. God has to help us all to rise to the occasion and to say, Lord, help me do more than what is my reasonable service. Help me to do more than what it is. Now, Julian just kind of, this was Julian's sort of form of apology to, to Cherry this morning, you know, about some of the grief about a continental breakfast and the challenges that he threw down. And, and she rose to the occasion, but there were things there not even I was expecting this morning. I mean, you know, to break out the salmon and the bagels and the cream cheese, that's just, that's just taking it a, a, a step up. And the bacon and the, and the, little, the little pancakes and little packages, I mean, you know, what's better than that, right? So Sherry went beyond. She served beyond. And we have the freedom to do that, brothers and sisters, and within the body of Christ. Didn't that put a smile on your face? Not only just now, but earlier when you saw it all come out. Say, hey, how about that? You go, Sherry. <laughs> oh, I, I just, I, I was, you know, just astounded. And so, you know, we have the opportunity. You know, I, 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 there's a pastor friend of mine in Ohio when, before when we used to get together. He was in Albany, New York. I was back on the East Coast. And I would travel to his church on occasion to, you know, to minister and to preach. And he, he had a little inner city church in Albany, New York. And just a precious brother, he and his wife. And, and uh, I, I would travel there. And I was always, always just so overwhelmed by their love and by how they gave and how they... You know, I went there to preach, I went there to minister, and they gave to me. They ended up ministering to me just by the way that they were. And they, their favorite saying was, that, that was just my reasonable service. Wait until you see our special service. And I mean, that's the way it ought to be. We are free to serve one another. And we need to be able to, you know, not have the thought of what can I do just to get by, but what can I do to just take it up a notch? Just, just, yeah, who is it? Emerald says that. Kick it up a notch. You know, do more than what it is that we, we could ever begin to think. And our, 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 the people around us will be blessed by it. We are free to serve one another. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter. Peter says this. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. He says, live as free men. Now, this, ha this was a loaded statement 
for that time because so many lived in a society where they were essentially not free. And yet Peter said in the middle of all of that, he said, live as free men. He wasn't suggesting be anarchists. You know, do your own thing, fight against the government and do your own thing. No, he says, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. He says, live as servants of God. Whatever you do, Whatever you do, Paul writes to the Colossian church, and he says, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. The idea here is that we are serving. We are serving one another, serving the body of Christ, and even serving those who are in the world. Say, I'm supposed to serve unbelievers? Absolutely. How else are they going to see the serving hand of Christ extended to them? How else are they going to see that Jesus humbled himself to the form of a servant unless they see it through you and I? So we are to be servants of God. Now, that's all well and good, you might say, but freedom from sin and death, freedom to serve, but maybe you have yet to come into that freedom. You say, Pastor, look around you. We pretty much know everybody here. We know everyone's a believer. But today I want to ask this question. Have you chosen to come to him freely? Not because you felt like somebody was pushing you. You know, some of the, some of the salvations, quote unquote, that don't really work out are those that are forced upon somebody. I, I remember dear old saints from years ago. You know, they knew I, I was the pastor's kid. Everybody knew that. We lived in a small town. They knew who I was. They knew who my, who my dad was. And they knew all of those things. And they also knew that the, the youngest pastor's kid was just a bit of a, a problem. Uh, a little bit more rebellious than the rest of the crew had been. And I remember some of these dear old saints coming up behind me at the end of a meeting. There'd be an altar service going on, and I'd be standing there with my arms folded, you know, all with my attitude and everything that I paid five cents for and paid too much. And I'm standing there, and I'm just, you know, kind of watching. And these dear old saints would come up behind me, grab me by the neck, and they pull me out of the pew and took me to the altar. They said, we're not going to wait for the Holy Spirit to, to, to work on this kid. We're going to work on him today. And maybe the Lord will, you know. And sure enough, they brought me to the altar. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. But it wasn't until I chose for myself that I needed Christ. You say, a pastor's kid. Absolutely. You can't ride on anybody's coattails into heaven. You've got to choose for yourself. You can't ride on your mom or dad's or, or anybody else's coattail just because somebody is pushing you to do it. It has to be a choice where you recognize that it is for your own freedom, spiritual freedom, that you must be set free. Listen to what Paul writes. Last verse of Scripture. Why don't we turn there? In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. We have the freedom to come to him. Listen to what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. This is the wonderful blessing that we have in him. And through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. 
Can I just encourage you today? You have the freedom to come to him. You have the freedom to come to Christ. You have the freedom to come to him. Not only you say, well, I've given my heart to Jesus. That's wonderful. But you also have the freedom to come to him when your heart is breaking. You have the freedom to come to him when, when life isn't fair and you can't figure life out and you don't know why things are happening the way that they are. The Bible says that in him and through faith in him, we can approach God with freedom. God, God's not going to stand there and say, wait a minute, you've, you haven't been good enough. Why don't you go to your room and you, you think about your attitude before you come back to me? God doesn't do that to us. God does not pull that one on us. We parents pull that on our kids. But not God. God says, come on, you've got the freedom to approach me. Whether you're outside of Christ, whether you have not chosen, maybe you've chosen to come to this church, but you have not chosen to give your life to the Lord. Or maybe you have chosen to give your life to the Lord, but you haven't chosen to come to Him on a regular basis and let Him take your burdens from you. Let Him be the burden bearer. You have to lay it down. we got to lay it down daily, folks. So often we wake up and we think we've got this big burden to carry. And God says, no, you don't. Just give it to me. Cast all your cares on me. Just heave your burdens onto me. I know how to handle them. You might not know what to do, but I know what to do. We can give all of our burdens and all of our troubles to him. And our load will be just a little bit lighter when we do that. Can we bow our heads this morning?